0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Leading from Afar, a podcast by remote leaders for remote leaders, aimed at sharing knowledge and experience to help make remote awesome within your companies. I'm Scott Markovitz. I was the first hire at Envision and helped build the foundations of the company for marketing, sales, product operations, and pretty much everything between. I've also mentored and consulted with hundreds of early stage startups, including a bunch of remote ones.
1: And I'm Tevi Hirschhorn. I've built and led design and product teams remotely, and I'm a longtime remote work evangelist.
0: Each episode, we'll speak about hot topics, trends, and the future of remote work. We'll also interview some super smart leaders at all levels of remote teams and introduce you to new tools that can help you succeed as a remote leader. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of Leading from Afar. I'm your captain, Scott Markowitz, with my co-pilot, Tevye Hirshhorn. Good morning, or good, oh, good morning, good, good afternoon, Tevye.
1: Good afternoon, Scott. <laughs> Who knows what time it is anymore?
0: Yeah, with all the, the lockdown and COVID chaos, you just lose track of reality and time. Again, mixed up quite a bit. Here in Israel, we're in the midst of our third lockdown, which you know, seems to be going on for forever and will probably go on for forever. Your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, forevermore, infinitely. This will never end. That's what it feels like.
0: Indeed, and at least until we get uh, all the vaccinations done, hopefully by the next end of next month, which would be fantastic. COVID in general has been... An extremely stressful time for everyone. For me personally, the the lockdown with schools being closed has gotten my anxiety revved up. Tevi, some of our kids share the same schools. I don't know if you feel the same way.
1: Absolutely. That's not even a question. Every day is twice as long since we have to handle education and schooling on our own. It's not even like in a classroom where you have one teacher teaching to 20 or 30 kids all on the same page on the same books. Obviously there's some juggling there, but at least you're doing the same thing here. It's like bouncing around from device to device, helping each kid. There's no consistency in anyone's schedule on top of that, you got to work a full day somehow. I've been shifting to going very late in the evening, so I'm doing, you know, 16, 20 hour days now.
0: I've been doing the same working later than I would normally and spending the later nights on the computer, which is something I definitely don't want to be doing. In these times, I guess we don't have uh, much of an option especially now during the lockdown and the increase in anxiety over other periods of COVID, would be the perfect time to kick off our next series on mental health. We're hoping that the series has a few more chapters than the last ones with great experts and and startups along the way. So today, I, I feel maybe the best way to kick off the series is really being transparent and opening up on our personal mental health over the past year. From a leadership perspective, that's always the best way to start, from the the captain on down, from the executive team leading the charge in being transparent and being open around mental health. I, I don't know if you are up for that.
1: I think it's it's important for people to hear everybody's stories, especially now. A lot of people have a hard time admitting when they're going through something difficult and you need help, especially in the workplace. You can't expect your employees to be performing when they're under stress and strain. So you got to be a little bit understanding and figure out the best way to work with them.
0: I completely agree. So yeah, so today we're going to be honest and open and and share our own experience. We're also going to try and share some ideas and things that we've done with the teams that we've worked with over the past years. Thoughts and advice that we have on how startup leadership can be helping their team through this extremely terrible time. Maybe first question, I'll start off throwing this into the room. Over the past year, that's really gotten your... Anxiety revving up. If there's one thing you can put it on, what would that number one thing be?
1: It's hard to even put it on one thing. I don't know if I've unpacked it enough to isolate the one thing, but there's just been a lot of insecurity in the world, a lot of instability, fear, financial related, health related about ourselves, about our family, dealing with our own kids with their own issues, just not having any time or space to... Now, this is probably the exact opposite of uh, many other people. I have a family, which I love, of course, but because we're all in the same <laughs> house so. together and we can't leave, there's a lot yeah. less personal space, a lot less personal time, whereas other people might be having the exact opposite issue where if they don't have a family, they have too much time to themselves. and That yeah. isolation can be extremely damaging as well. So, I, yeah, I, I probably put it on there. that instability and lack of space, maybe
0: interesting. That's pretty in line with my biggest issue. And we hinted to it in the introduction for me, the biggest cause of my spikes in anxiety had really been around that separation of work and home. I've been working from home for almost nine years and and certainly pre COVID during that time, there were clear boundaries in the day after taking my kids to school and and eating breakfast the workday began. I'm blessed to have a home office with a door that I can lock, which it's is certainly beneficial. But that time from the nine to five was my work time where I focused on doing work where nobody was here. The kids were at school my wife attempted her best to try to limit needing my help for bringing groceries or, or things like that. My kids, when they came home from school, whether it was three o'clock or four or five o'clock, they knew. There was a boundary five o'clock dad would come downstairs and until then no not really knock on the door don't go upstairs to bother yeah. at five o'clock i would try as much as i could 15 minutes of headspace meditation just for myself to be able to turn off work and then get myself mentally prepared for the family time really try to separate those two big core pieces in life. Now, during the lockdown, that separation is non-existent. Maybe that's what I mean by
1: like space. I guess there was this kind of a structure, the way I would work. Everyone had a schedule and I was able to carve some time for myself. Now I'm working, now I'm making lunch, now I'm exercising and now I'm with the family. And now it's just like this constant race, bouncing from device to device, helping everybody switching honestly my wife and i play hot potato she runs out and she's a nurse and has been like crazy to deal with that then when she comes home you'd think that she would take off and relax but she can't now i gotta work so now it's like here you go hot potato now she's got to deal with it so definitely that lack of structure
0: yeah yeah. our boys go to the same school between those hours of nine to one or nine to four of turning on devices i try to keep my iPads locked, having a passcode that the kids don't know so they aren't going on there um, and wasting time. Constantly having to put in passcodes, get Zoom set up and technical support. At least my boys are lucky enough to have that opportunity to to learn, have some type of structure, even though a lot of time is spending making sure they're actually sitting there. My daughter hasn't been home, hasn't been learning. She doesn't have the opportunity, so trying to keep an almost six-year-old entertained all day without just sticking an iPad video in front of them has been challenging. In
1: some ways, it's like we had this opportunity Everybody went remote and now like remote time to shine. In other ways, it's it's not possible to be successful under these conditions. For many people, they don't have either space to work. So even if they don't have a noisy family or something, it's hard to work. If you don't have that space set up for it, for other people, they have a family and dealing with the crazy schedule or lack of schedule is is not a way to sell remote life and remote work. So it's definitely been a challenge for, for the world
0: was about a year ago, I tried to use that mental picture. Look at the positive way. This is a great opportunity to spend more quality time with the kids and do things with them, sit with them, teach them, and spend more time with them than maybe I didn't have. Previous to that, because that first lockdown went on and, and we kept kept going, that just went right out the window. Yeah, that was space. super
1: fun was for a year. month. <laughs> yeah,
0: I could be with my kids, do zooms with them, and teach them stuff. I need to get back to work. And...
1: Yeah. So, what do you think companies should do right now? It's an issue because we're dealing with lots of stress, a pandemic, and health. Yeah. People are losing family members, or they're getting sick, they're having trouble working from home. All sorts of these different things that cause anxiety or or, or depression. Yeah all these mental health challenges. What should companies do? What should managers do? How do we deal with that?
0: This is the year for mental health. This should be the number one priority for all companies this year, regardless of the size, starting from the executive team to the people or HR teams to every level of management. We spoke about it when the podcast started and it went back to last year's empathy. It has to be at the forefront of everyone's mind. The world is just a mess and depending where you are, it's probably going to stay that way till later this year. Management really just needs to have empathy um, and understanding the world is just a total mess. Companies should be looking into being more flexible if they haven't been doing it yet with scheduling and, and attendance. Most teams last year that went remote overnight started filling their calendars with meetings. I'm not a believer in meetings, but no, those definitely need to go away. Not only from the time-wasting perspective, but you're locking people into engagement when it may not be a good time for them. So if it's a 30-minute or 45-minute team meeting, their kids may be needing help with something going on house with synchronous meeting all day. That may not be something good for them. Another thing that companies really need ramping up this year is in implementing tools to check in with everyone on the team on, on a weekly basis. There's a lot of different ways you could do that to start. You really need a culture of honesty and, and transparency to be valuable. In a minimum, companies can be giving out those, those pulse surveys you know, every week that Give you a happy, smiley emoji into the crying emoji. Every week, I have the employee click on how they felt mentally and emotionally that week. Any company seeing negative trends needs more feedback from the team of what's causing it and how the company can be helping. Once they start getting that feedback, they need to be implementing that feedback, like ASAP. I would like to see, instead of emojis, asking questions. What has made you happy at work this week? What has made you unhappy this week? What's one thing the company could do that could make you happier next week, really taking that specific feedback and you no know, trying to implement needed changes.
1: That's a very administrative approach to measuring happiness and, and not necessarily yeah. providing uh happier environments. Meetings are not great, but let's be careful about the word we use because I think the face to face interaction is helpful if someone is feeling isolated. So well, sure. if you're stuck in, in a lockdown all by yourself, even with kids, without kids, whatever, whoever you are being stuck in lockdown is very isolating. So that face-to-face video chat might be something that you crave. So like grain of salt, meetings are bad, but that might be one thing you can do to improve people's connection with each other.
0: Yeah, I agree. We've spoken about my ideas, meetings, work-related need to go out the window. Those should be replaced by the team building and team engagement, whether it's one-on-one between teammates or a leader in their team, we're getting the team together for 20 minutes to, to do something fun. Those opportunities are extremely crucial at this point to, like you said, give someone who may be alone to have an opportunity to have the team in front of them for 20 minutes, maybe five minute conversations with different people in their team over video. Do you think there are
1: any advantages or, or benefits to being in a remote environment to be able to provide a better? experience and and improve people's mental health or happiness at work?
0: It's a good question. I think it's that freedom to fight anxiety. I've seen this personally during the first lockdown. I stayed in the house. Everyone in the world was terrified. If you go outside, you're going to die. As this time went on, we realized that wasn't (laughs) the case. But I didn't leave the house. Maybe one time a week, I'd go out for a walk up and down the block. and It was terrible. I'd I had to change that. So every day I go out for a run for an hour, just having that opportunity to get out of my house. So If you're in an office environment, where are you really going to go? Do you have an opportunity to walk around? Do you have the mountains? And you know, we live here with the mountains and hills next to us. Just get out into the nature. You could spend time with your family, maybe with the spouse, go out for a walk or go you know, get ice cream. Freedom is a huge benefit for people working remotely in their mental health. What are you thinking?
1: That's definitely a, a huge aspect of mental health, I think it might be easy for someone who walks into the office, you see their face or posture, they come in late consistently, like, Hey, something's up. I think it might be a lot easier for someone to skate by and go struggle unnoticed. As a manager, as a leader, as as a teammate, you have to reach out proactively and find out how people are actually doing and not wait to notice something.
0: Yeah, I think you're spot on. I've gotten a lot of this similar feedback when I have friendly conversations on social media about working from home and remote, positives and negatives. People who are on the side of going back to the office are usually giving that sense of, we missed that opportunity for the face-to-face. We lose that opportunity for serendipitous conversations at the coffee machine. I'm not a believer in that because the tools exist today to do all those things. There may be not the ideal tool for it, as a leader, you should be doing a five, ten minute video call with everyone on your team once a week at most. And a check it has nothing to do with work. It's not with like your bi-weekly you know, stand-up meetings. It's just, hey, how's everything going? How's your family? What what's going on with you? And sharing the same thing. Here's what's going on with me. My kids are home. Being very open and then transparent. at my time and vision. I'd started doing a you know, five-minute FaceTime with everyone that I could get. So I was trying to replicate those serendipitous opportunities of meeting in the coffee shop. I just did it. I'd reach out to somebody random or someone on my team and say, hey, five minute FaceTime now and launch a Zoom call or in five minutes, catch up. Hey, how's it going? What's new? The tools are there. It's whether people are using the tools in the right way. Yes, body language and faces can be missed unless you're doing those things right.
1: The flip side is that somebody could fake They could just put on a smile at work and nobody knows what's going on. A manager, friends, other teammates should be proactive about helping. Even if it's a five-minute check-in, I think it's important that you use language which encourages and and elicits a response that's truthful and authentic. Because if you say, how's everything? You're not going to get a great authentic response. Say, "How's how's your family? It's a little bit more specific and, and they will most likely give you a, a more genuine response. That kind of proactive in terms of the behavior that you're reaching out for weekly with everybody, but it's also yeah. proactive in your language and making sure that you really are connecting. You actually do care how everyone's doing, not just so that they can be productive, but so that they could thrive in the company and feel like they're connected. And we've discussed in the past that an employee who's happy at work will want to stay for a long time and be productive. And that brings a lot of value to the company in the long term
0: yeah i think the transparency also for me is extremely important if every one of those check-ins it's always how are you doing how's your family what's new with you it's very one-sided i'm the one being asked and do i feel comfortable sharing that when you have that transparency from leadership it's starting off what i'm dealing with here's what's new with my family what's new in my community i think that reinforces that idea of, of comfort, for the team and my manager, my leader, my CEO is being transparent. Here's what they're struggling with. They're struggling with kids bouncing off, off the walls. They're, they're struggling about not being able to go to the cafes. That creates that culture of openness. My leader is upfront and transparent with how they're doing. That allows me to feel more confident to be able to share my own thoughts as well.
1: I don't know if you heard all that background. (laughs) Was that my house? My kids that's at my house. I'm being paged. <laughs> yeah. Work from home while everyone else is at home. Not so simple. Yeah, totally agree. I, just to, to comment a little bit on, on like the, the point of happiness. You mentioned a key word there I thought was important is that belonging. If somebody feels a connection to their team. They feel like they belong yeah. in their company. They're satisfied and they're happy. That It's not just like this word of like being happy like they're wearing a smile. It's that connection and belonging and feeling that like they're contributing in a positive way. If you could foster yeah. that feeling around the work that they're doing, then the work will be a fulfilling part of their life and they'll be producing good work. That's a benefit for everybody.
0: Something to build off that idea, build it as a habit, build it as a culture. Something that we had in a vision for many years. I was the first one of the happiness officers. Do you see that being a good opportunity for? A new role within a company or somebody should be putting on that hat I envision the person who took that over for me was a certified life coach so is there an idea of bringing in a life coach a certified mental health therapist within the company to check in with people on a daily basis weekly basis just having those check-in opportunities with people on the team, depending on the size of the team, you may meet more people doing it, or you may meet less often. It's something that I've been thinking about maybe is a good opportunity to expand within other companies.
1: I'm not sure I understand the question.
0: Not so much of a question. Maybe a specific role we see in 2021, a happiness officer or a happiness champion, life coach, a mental health so- therapist that comes in and their job is those check-ins.
1: I don't know that it's going to grow. I've seen happiness officers and people officers and everyone tries yep. to rebrand themselves. We really care about you as employees. That's really they're fishing for information. They're protecting their bosses and, and nobody trusts them. I don't think that perception will ever change no matter what you call them. Now, if you're saying happiness officer is, is separate from HR or people ops, I don't think anyone's going to believe that.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: What I've seen is, as a benefit to a company are mental health services. So a company yeah. might offer subscriptions to Headspace or Calm or, or something like that, or they'll offer other third-party service or tool or or therapy type of, of benefit where people can go on their own and the company will, doesn't yeah. have any connection. It's private. It's separate. Yeah. That would be a nice benefit to allow people to maintain wellness.
0: Perfect idea. What other benefits do you think this year in 2021 companies should be focusing on in the mental health space to be rolling out within the company and why? Well,
1: of course, I'm going to lean towards remote tools. There's still a stigma around seeing therapists for some reason. I, I think that should yeah. change. I think also everyone's stuck at home. There should be a remote tool like like Headspace or Calm, com or one of these other things out there which allow you to to get service from the comfort of your own home. People are busy, so they don't necessarily feel how important it is to go get help. So it's hard to go out and and take a few hours to drive somewhere and and see somebody. so if you have an app, it's, it's essentially a remote tool, whether it's, it's a a guided on your own, like space or yeah, telehealth, totally. Something like headspace, which is talking with a professional. It's more like self-guided journey. So I see that yeah, getting more I, I, popular. It's also a lot easier to plug in to employees, you know, benefits package.
0: On the one side, I think the company is a flat out policy should give access to those telehealth, and mental health tools. I think that should be across the board. Everybody has access to it. You want to use it. You don't want to use it in a number of these tools that are U.S. based, U.S. based therapists who only practice in the U.S. and many people internationally don't have access to that. So if there is no tool that's available internationally, then the company should reimburse for those local sessions. They shouldn't restrict some people who aren't in a certain location from getting access to that. When vision uses a headspace, I've used it many times through the team plan there. This is where I'm divergence because everyone's different and everyone has their own ways to battle anxiety. Whether it's meditation through headspace or calm, doing yoga or like me going out for a run.
1: It's not only anxiety, there's also plenty of other, sorry, not since interrupt but there, there are plenty of other things that people need to deal with.
0: So how a company tries to tackle that challenge, whether getting a company level headspace account, which is probably financially better for them to get a company wide plan, but it may limit the impact it has for people that may not be interested in a tool like that. Maybe they'll be better off with a yoga tool or a whatever it may be. The opportunity may be for some set of types of tools. So maybe like a meditation, maybe a yoga, maybe a four or five different tools that somebody could pick, I'd like to see that's how we just the financial cost, a mental health day. I know the mental health day has been kicked around for many years. I've used it many times where you just, I just need a day off. Every employee should get one mental health day, minimum every month. There's no kind of approval requirements. They should make the request, let's say 24 hours in advance. Often
1: the mental health day doesn't give you that kind of warning. (laughs) Yeah, it
0: should be something that doesn't have the possibility of being rejected. It could be that you had a, a lousy day at work today. A deal fell through or there was a major bug or an outage and say, Hey, I had a really tough day today. Tomorrow's going to be the mental health day. I'd like to see teams doing that. Many startups have that unlimited vacation idea. We're not going to go into that. But what I would like to see is taking that. Every employee has to take a week off in a block every single quarter. You know, a couple days here, a couple days there, and you aren't getting that continuous long time to unwind, recharge the batteries. Management should be sitting on top of employees' heads saying, hey, you haven't taken this, you need to take it this week off. Get it in the books now. Giving that time and opportunities disconnect, just no work allowed. Delete Slack from your phone or block them or however you're going to do it.
1: Yeah, I, I understand, agree. There's been a shift over the last like number of years to mandatory vacation, mandatory time off. Not just like use it or lose it, but like we'll give you a thousand or two thousand dollar bonus if you take your vacation, yeah. just to encourage people to take off. You lose it if you if you're on Slack or or your email. Or... I think that kind of stuff is very important because there's a power dynamic between a company and its employees. And we hope a good employee wants to perform. The company is in a position of power where they can decide what you get to do with your life. So if a company really does care about the well being and mental health of their employees, they will do what you're suggesting. We're, you know, telling employees to take their time off, to disconnect, spend time with your family, spend time alone, go do something fun. There are a lot of companies that have started to be more proactive about that.
0: Yeah. I like it. So I know any last thoughts you have here?
1: I think that there's some interesting stuff in the works on the technology side with remote services and tools, telehealth mental health. I'm curious to know, like from our listeners, maybe if, if they use those tools and they, what their experiences with it. And mm-hmm. the flip side is, do they prefer not to use that? Do they prefer the human to human interaction and how they're dealing with that during lockdowns? Very tricky stuff. I'm curious to know what, what everyone is going through.
0: This series maybe more than other series, we really love to hear feedback. How they've been dealing with their own mental health over the last year and and what challenges they've been having as a leader, what they've been doing, their companies have been doing, or what they'd like to see the companies. Until the next episode, thank you so much for joining, everybody. Thank you, Scott. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning into today's episode of Leading From Afar. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can learn more on our website, leadingfromafar.com and subscribe to the podcast in your favorite app. This podcast is all about you, the remote leaders. We'd love to hear from you with your feedback or ideas for future topics and remote leaders we should be speaking with.